Sherry here with the Life Saving Gratitude, where we talk about how gratitude and mindset have the potential to change and possibly save your life. We talk about gratitude as a superpower. And on this podcast, we're seekers of answers. We want to share what we know as experts in our own life. And we really want to help people write a brave new ending. That's a phrase that I borrow directly from Brene Brown, who I think is a genius. And it feels like the most important work we can do. It's the work that I did when I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And I, um, not intentionally, but certainly as a practice, began to use gratitude. And it's a piece of what saved my life. I know that stories save us. And we want folks to share their stories, want them to own their stories. And today we're going to talk very specifically about the science of gratitude. Um, I have a great friend. Her name is Daphne Miller. She is certainly an expert in the field of um, coaching, leadership coaching, executive coaching, and how mindset can modify even our 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 brain the way our brain works and our neural pathways daphne and i met um because i sold her a house um i don't i don't know how she and her husband found me but they found me they were moving from the dc area to santa fe and we became friends and and what i like to think is that life tends to gift people to us when we least expect it and when we most need it so um First, I'm going to let Daphne say hello Good morning. and tell us a little bit about yourself. You've got this long list of credentials that I could read, but I'd really like to hear it from you. Okay. I think that's so funny, a long list of credentials. There are so many people that do such bigger work than I do. Um, but I am an executive coach. I do a lot of leadership development and organizational well-being. And I got started on that path after I'd been in sales and marketing uh, for about 20 years. So I went back to school and um, went through a coaching program and started coaching individuals and then uh, started, you know, adding to my toolkit with assessments. And then I went back and got another uh, degree in advanced coaching and organizational development. And then started, I'm also, in addition to my private practice, working with individuals and teams, I also am on faculty at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. Still, even though you're here, right? Yeah. Well, you know, COVID has done a lot of crazy things and one of them has made <laughs> everything remote. And so I teach and I, I teach a module and then I am a lab leader um, for that program as well. So yeah, it's been great. Well, it's really exciting to have you here. Um, you and I went and we had coffee recently. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talked about that I'd that I really want to share with my listeners, because some of this was new to me, I, I know from a practical standpoint, that gratitude and mindset work, and it's certainly something that I was taught by my business coaches when I was in real estate all the time. But I was really fascinated by how gratitude and mindset have the ability, for, la for lack of a better term, to just rewire our neural pathways. And I, there, there's a lot to, to unpack there, but can you give us the layman's, just, just explain to, the, to us in the easiest terms how that really works. Sure. 
So I think the first thing I would say is a comment that you hear a lot of people repeat is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And that's not true. No, I'm an old dog. I learn some new tricks every day. Yeah. I mean, and that isn't that the beauty of our life and getting to live our lives and explore is that what we know is that what wires fires together wires together is the way they talk about it. And it might take a little bit of work and it might take some new practices, um, some new approaches, but we do have these fantastic brains and we can learn a lot of new things and cultivating gratitude in our life for resiliency and thriving and well-being that those are the things that I'm really focused on. And so it takes attention, right? And it takes um, attention and intention is what I would say, bringing those two things together and cultivating new ways of approaching life. Um, because what we know is that we're all born with a set point around um, the word happiness is used a lot, but sort of that idea of the glass half full, has half empty piece. But what we really know is that while we may have a set point, that 40% of our full life are our choices, right? We have 10% circumstances, but then we have a lot of capacity to make a different choice. And that's part of what the brain science is, is acknowledging that you've got this choice and making the choice. And sometimes you don't do so great and sometimes you do, but you can always try again. I, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm writing so hard and fast while you're talking because you're using phrases that, I, I was thinking about this this morning before I knew, when I was thinking about what we were gonna talk about. And I thought, I wish I had known this when I was 30. I wish, you know, I wish I had had, I mean, I was born with that. I, I mean, I was born with that set point where certainly I, I was really excited about what the glass held mm -hmm. is the best way I know to say, because that's the way I was raised. But but you're saying that only 10% of where we end up is our circumstances, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there are studies, um, there's a, a great book that people can read, The How of Happiness, and by a woman, um, Sonia uh, it's a and it's a great book and it really breaks things down in such a beautiful accessible way that our circumstances are just a very small part of what's going on for us. We have a ton of options and choices. For lack of a better term, I've, I've been in contact with some people recently who have this really defeatist viewpoint and there's sort of you know like you talk about gratitude you talk about optimism all the time in fact in fact they're sort of sick of hearing about it is what i gather and i've tried to use language that it that it really is a choice right yes and it is a choice and there's a practice to it as well right so it's it's not just like turning on a light it's not a light switch necessarily I can turn the light switch on and the light might be on for a while and then it might go out and I've got to replace my light bulb, right? So the idea is you have to go and put a new light bulb in. And that's a little bit of, you know, I've never quite said it that way before, but it's the idea that there are a lot of different paths to get there and your path to gratitude may not be their path to gratitude. A and that's the, other, that's the other big part of it, right? So... So tell us how the science works in, sim in the simplest terms. And maybe I'm getting way ahead of myself. Mm -mm. But we talked 
when we had coffee about how even at this age, even as old dogs, we <laughs> can start to sort of rewire our brains by that practice. Right. Am I saying I that correctly? I would. And what I would say is it's not even sort of start to, right? You can. And the path to that is mindfulness, right? Which is another term that gets bandied about quite a bit. Um, and it's often related to meditation, which is a term that kind of freaks people out sometimes. But it really is the practice, you know, many people say to me, I can't meditate because I can't shut my thoughts off. And that's not really what meditation is, right? It's not shutting our thoughts off. It's allowing them to continue to go through our minds, but not hold on to them, not grab onto them, not get distracted by them, right? And meditation can take a lot of different forms. It can be sitting quietly. It can be prayerful. It can be walking along a trail. It's whatever really works for you, but it's that idea that you are actually training your brain um, to be quiet. And even though we're seekers of answers, as you would say, living your own personal question as just a place to be, right? And and in our society, so this is a long-winded answer, I think, a little bit. But in our society, we're very geared towards doing. And doing is important. Um, you know, we want to accomplish things. Being is part of that effort that we want to be and we want to do. It's like inhaling and exhaling. There's not one that's necessarily better than others. But we tend to wait our doing. And in waiting the doing as opposed to the being, we often rob ourselves of mindfulness, which is linked to resiliency and gratitude, right? It's that part that allows us to really thrive. So we want to honor these pieces around mindfulness and meditation, however forms that, in whatever form that might take, so that we can cultivate this gratitude. And that is what actually shifts our brains. And how, how does that happen? I don't, how does the shifting occur? Okay. So the shifting occurs because there's, you know, you can go onto Google and you can Google something like neural pathways and you can watch that over the course of time. If, so think of it this way, you've been driving home from some, you, the place that you work, it's the end of the day and you're really tired, right? You've worked hard. You got up early, you made lunches for the kids, etc. And you realize that you pull into your driveway and you don't know how you got there. All the time. That all happens all the time. Right. Okay. So that is not mindful. <laughs> I got it. Right. So that neural, you know, that idea, that, that muscle memory, right? You're, you know how to get home. You've done it a million times. You have the muscle memory for it. You just get in your car. It's there's no mindfulness, right? It's mindless. You have a neural pathway in your brain that knows how to get in the car, to start the car, to pull out, to do the things, to go down the road, to whatever you're going to do to pull in your driveway. You literally are almost not thinking. And what we're saying is, how do you do that in your mind? You have to be mindful. Hmm. What could be different? 
what do I want to notice on my way home? Do I want to notice that the crabapple trees are in bloom? Do I want to take a different route so that I might have something new to observe in my life? Right? Do I want, what do I want to practice to be more mindful? And in that process, you can create a different pathway, right? New neurons are going to fire together. So, so the way I understand it is that we also have the same pathways for every way for every time we face a crisis or every time we face a conflict, right? Yes. Yes. So, and you can do a lot of changes in your life and then have something stressful and you kind of revert back, right? Say you've changed your eating and you introduce more fruits and vegetables because as a cancer survivor, you know the importance of eating healthy foods. But you might have a really stressful day and you want those Doritos or whatever it was, right? That, that is like that guilty pleasure. And so that's part of what it is, is we kind of, it's, we want to go back, right? Our body, there's a thing called homeostasis. We, our bodies don't really like to change. We want to stay in the same place. And so it's, it's, there is a little, there is effort that's required in this, um, but the results of the effort can be really amazing and, and fantastic for your life. Yeah. Because it's growth every day, right? It's an, it's, you know, I, we always talk about improvement, but I, but I want to talk, I want to see that as well. Growth, uh, growth is not a, I, I don't want to say that we should be growing. I just, it's a, it certainly is a privilege that we have, right? I would even say it's a gift, right? Because, I mean, it is a privilege and it's a gift because you have to imagine all these humans in our country, around the world, and what we have the capacity to explore and learn, right? Through connection. Um, it's just a, it's a great way of thinking about how can I thrive, right? I can survive, right? We can survive can we thrive? And I think that there is a lot of beauty in that and opportunity. Well, and I, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I, 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 I felt certain that I could survive, but I couldn't, I did have to be mindful and mm -hmm. think about what's, you know, after a couple of months of reeling, I had to think, how can I thrive within this environment? So, I think at that age, when I was 51, I did start to create some new pathways. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, I think when you get through situations like that and you explore new pathways that had never occurred to you before, um, the, it, part, of, part of cultivating gratitude in this rewiring that we're talking about is we're also talking about the capacity for greater resiliency in our lives, right? That idea that if you're like a rubber band and you pull it and it pulls out and you let go, it's going to bounce back. That's resiliency. Because as much as we're talking about, you know, really cool elements of you know, new neural pathways and new ways of being in our lives and things like that, we're, life is also kind of hard sometimes. We do get cancer and we do have rough times. And so we want that resiliency to bounce back. Well, and the truth is sometimes it's just boring. So, we, so we've got to figure out ways to rewire our lives so that we're compelled 
to keep mm-hmm. growing, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, you, <laughs> we shared, I'm going to go back for a minute. You, we developed, you said that you developed a gratitude practice in the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. You and I both, amazingly enough, at probably the same stages in our lives, found this amazing book. Mm-hmm. Simple Abundance was how I how I started my practice. Mine, mine too. And uh, and I and I tend still every time I get stuck, I hear one of my former coaches saying to me, "You have to come from a place of abundance." And I think that's when I sort of started to rewire. You know, before we were just surviving, really. I mean, you're young, you have little kids, and you're and I was single, and you know, I I I never knew how I, I you know, their lunches would be packed, and I would think, how did I do that? Did that did that just happen? But but I think it was at that moment that I started to rewire and be more mindful of how life was going. Tell me about that for you. It was very similar. I mean, I I had a really stressful job. And two small children, um, a husband who had a really stressful job, and he traveled a lot. And I, you know, when I first started look, reading the meditations of that book, because each day is a different meditation, mm-hmm. and she takes you through the year. And I, that whole concept of gratitude, I was like, this sounds kind of wackadoodle, candidly. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, I was, I was a prayerful person at that time in my life. Uh, prayers always brought a lot to me. And so I thought, well, I'll try it. And really, I mean, some days it was like, I got to dig deep to figure out what I'm feeling gratitude for because I am stinking tired. Um, And I found that in the process of my life, something as simple as walking down the street and noticing the color of the sky or a flower that was in bloom or a person that you know, return to smile as, as basic. And for some people, silly as that may sound, that gave me something to hang on to in my life when it really felt out of control. That's exactly the way it was for me. And the other thing that I, uh, I loved about that book was that, um, and I've, and I've kept this and every year at the beginning of the year, I do this was that one little piece that she did in December where she said, Write your Christmas letter for next year. Write down the letter that you want to send to your friends next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I thought that's being mindful about where I want things to go. Because mm-hmm. things are going to go regardless. Right. <laughs> they are going to go regardless. I think that's one of the things that I've learned. So if you put some mindfulness and some intention to it, thinking about the outcome, right, or the impact that you want to have in your life, then then you can be an author of things. You just, things don't just happen to you, right? It's that piece that we started with of I've got 40% around choice and I've got 10% around circumstances. So how do I want to take this big, beautiful life that I've been given? Do I sit back and just let things kind of happen to me? Or do I kind of step up and be a participant um, in a way that fulfills me and, you know, lets me be a part of something that's bigger and greater than, than what I'm about right now? 
So let's talk about that 40. And uh, so we've got 50% covered. What's the other 50%? Well, that's kind of your set point, right? And then you've got 40. You've got oh, your okay. set point yeah. that's going to happen in there that you kind of come out of the box with. That's sort of how I talk about it. Um, that's not necessarily how some of the other people that I've read talk about it. But you have your 10% of life things happen. What are you going to do with those things that happen? And that 40% is choice. That's a lot of choice. That's a lot of choice points, right? It's a lot of, oh, this is an interesting moment. This person is angry, or this is an interesting moment. I have a flat tire, or this is an interesting moment. I have way too much on my plate, or I just found out that a family member is ill. There are a lot of different things that we get to respond to. And I use the word respond as opposed to react because that's part of what that is. It goes back to the pulling into the driveway piece. I want to be fully present so I can respond. And that's where the meditation and the mindfulness practice really supports you. They allow you to find the space. And there's a quote that I, I forget who said it, but it's not the notes of the music, but it's the space between the notes that matter. Right. And I think right. she talks about that in the book. I think I remember that from Simple Abundance. That's what we're talking about. Like we've got all these notes, but the space in between, we that's where we can really step in and really make some cool music in our life, right? And that's so interesting because I still, you know, I had a, a, a therapist at one time who said, "Bunny, you have these tapes running in your head. So I was in a bad relationship and she, and she would say, every time that argument begins in that relationship, you hear tapes from a completely different relationship. You've got to start tra training yourself to actually be in the relationship you're in instead of being stuck in that old abusive relationship. I thought that was, well, it, it was, it, it was life changing for me, but, but that's how we train ourselves, right? We get out of where we were. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's another person, Katie Byron, who does work around inquiry, and it's very related to mindfulness. And something happens, right? A You're in a relationship that whatever, it's kind of funky, and you've got these ideas around things. And just asking yourself, is this true? And how do I know it's true? Right? You Which and is, I talked about this, and I wrote it down then. Is it true? And how do right. I know it's true? Um, and she's got a lot of, but that in of itself, I would say is a meditative, mindful practice. I don't know. Is it true? I don't know. You know, I mean, I can be really busy when I think about those early years of cultivating my gratitude practice. This may resonate with you um, because you're busy and it's hectic and stressful. It's easy to say something like, I'm not a good mother. Right, because those lunches you got them made, but maybe there was something in them that wasn't healthy, or you perceived wasn't healthy, or whatever standards you had. Is that true? You know, to really say I'm a bad mother is that true? And how do I know that's true? And I'm kind of saying that with a little bit of levity in my voice because those are the things that rob our gratitude. Right? They they stop us from being grateful and having that 
um, really beautiful place of living, of creating resilience that robs us of that resilience. Well, and I think it robs us of self-trust. You know, um, yeah, Johanna perfect. does this great podcast called The Cold Coffee Life, and it's about being a young mother and seeing all these Instagram moms who look like they're perfect. And mm -hmm. so you that's the other part you have to we're we live in a world where we compare ourselves every day to what we see on social media or you know on the news and it with in celebrity lives and and I think those are good questions to ask is that true yeah <laughs> right it's so basic right is, and is everybody else more attractive and better moms than I am <laughs> you know oh absolutely and you know what, maybe by some crazy standard, they might be. And what I also know is there's space for everything in our world. Oh, I have to write that down. That's so good. You know, there are a lot of great mothers and fathers out there and they're great for all kinds of different reasons. And there's space for all of them. All of us. I'm still a mother. Well, and I would say that I had to learn that in order to write my book because the book was written. The book was a manuscript and it existed, but it took me a long time to realize there, there was space in the world for the story I had to tell mm -hmm. and that it might not be, you know, I wasn't going to be as good a writer as Amy Tan or Ann Tyler or Pam Houston, perhaps, but that story that I had had a place in the world and, and it certainly could have an impact on somebody. Oh, yeah, for but sure. But I, I certainly had to rewire how I thought about writing before I could give my story away. Yes. And I think the other like piece that we're bringing up so many different fun things is you have to be vulnerable to do it, too. And so vulnerability, which if you're a fan of Brene Brown's work, you yes. know right, where that shows up. <laughs> And I, I would, I would offer that that is vulnerability is linked to gratitude and resilience, um, because it allows me to open my heart, and that's part of what gratitude is about. Is is it's a heart opening exercise? I think um, that to say, even in the midst of something that's hard, like writing your book. Uh, what, you know, probably the, one of the most challenging, horrific experiences of your life brought you to that book. Wow. Right. Isn't that cool. I mean, that just kind of makes me feel that just makes my heart feel full to even be able to have this little bit of an exchange. Well, I, I do believe, and especially in leadership, um, I've, really tried to convey to the people that I speak with about leadership is that vulnerability is key. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we grew up with this old model, which was, I got to stand up in front of my staff and be the toughest person in the room and motivate them. And, you know, like Simon Sinek, I, I saw a video he did this morning where he said, it's not about motivating them. It's, it's about loving and caring for them and wanting their success more than yours. And that's just a, a level of vulnerability that was not taught 40 years ago, right? And I think it wasn't understood. I, I'm going to even go further. It, it not only was not taught, I don't think it was really understood. And it was a um, 
false dichotomy of, you know, all kinds of things around masculinity and femininity and all the different things that we've talked about. And it's a good thing we're discovering it now is what I'll say. I, I think that's the easy way to get there. One of, one of the reasons I got into coaching is that I was looking around me. I was a manager and a leader and people were miserable and they had nothing left at the end of the week, right? For themselves or their families. And I just thought there's got to be a better way to do this. Um, because to your point about leadership, one of the things I've always talked about is that we spend decades of our life at work, decades of yes. our life at work, right? And working hard. So let's make it fun. Let's make it connected. Let's make it purposeful and meaningful. And we can do that. And it just takes a little bit of mindfulness, right? It takes that vulnerability and resilience and gratitude for the people that come with all their gifts and talents to offer what they have. Well, see, you already answered that question I was going to ask you about how, how, how is it far-fetched to suggest that gratitude is really important to leadership? Well, I am, you know, part of faculty at, at Georgia Mason. So it's the, um, the center, center for uh, leadership and well-being, right, is the coaching program. Wait, and hang on, hang on just a second, because I don't think those two words would have been used in the same sentence 20 years ago, would they? Uh, probably not. I mean, leadership and well-being. <laughs> you know, it's more like I got to get up at four in the morning so I can talk myself into being a tough leader, right? I, I That's how I recall the 90s, the 80s and the 90s. Oh, yeah. I tromped down many a sidewalk in three heels, <laughs> pantyhose, and a suit. Me too. I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, go figure. But what we know is that leaders that have well-being practices are really more successful because that goes back to emotional intelligence and, and the lack thereof of emotional intelligence is uh, by most studies the one of the number one derailers of most leaders. So, uh, you know, I think that our world has really blown open in a lot of ways with different um, researchers like Daniel Goleman that wrote emotional intelligence. I mean, that was, it's an iconic book now, but it, he had to do that for us to realize that gratitude and resilience are important. Um, and so it's, I'm glad he did. So if you were talking right now to somebody who's perhaps new to a position um, or, or who's trying to figure out a way to better lead their team, what, what three things, what's the three, what are the three best pieces of advice or, or, or what's the most important piece that you would tell them? Hmm. So I think um, what I would say is um, connect first, right? You've got to connect. I think the, the next thing I would say is really think about who you are. What is the authentic approach for you as a leader? Um, and really dig deep about what does it really mean to lead, right? And, and honor that. And I think the, the the next piece is it goes back to the asking yourself the question, is it true, is that especially new leaders, so here's what happens very frequently. I am promoted because I do a thing well. 
right? I have some sort of subject matter expertise and I am promoted and I step across a threshold. I feel like I'm the same. Nobody sees me the same. And so what happens is that cascades into all these thoughts of how I think I ought to do something. Am I good enough? Da, da, da. So you're not your thoughts. Your thoughts are your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. And going back to asking yourself, is it true? And how do I know it's true? And really keep yourself centered, which is a mindful exercise, right? It goes always right. goes back to mindfulness. And just honoring that and allowing the journey to unfold as opposed to forcing it. So I think that's more than one thing, but you know, that's me. Well, but I asked for three. So that really is okay. three. That's okay, perfect. Um, and, and I feel like I should be paying you for this because, you know, I've stepped in as the interim executive director at the Cancer Foundation. And, and it is, it is hard to step into a, a you know, how I just listened to a podcast with Donald Miller on how to lead when you didn't create what you're leading. Right. And it's, but that's what everybody does. But it is hard to know how do I best care for these people and and still, you know, manage the bottom line, do you know, make sure they're doing the things that we hired them for. It's a it's a swirl. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and you know, how do you know that you're always doing the next right thing and still honoring your philosophy of always being mindful and gra grateful? Sure. Well, what I would say to that is because what is the right thing? You know, you got to define right. So what's the best thing? Because you right. only have a certain amount of information. And, you know, and the thing about leadership, too, is that you, I think leaders often miss the things that got them promoted to where they are. Wow. They got into a field for something. Because I work in a lot of um, highly technical organizations with scientists and things like that. And, you know, they love that whatever got them into the thing that was like their purpose and their meaning. They really loved it. And now they don't get to use it. Right. So there's a lot on leaders that happen simultaneously. Um, and so I think that's where um, not necessarily cutting yourself slack. I don't mean it that way, but I think that that's where really the self-care and the planning come into play to carve time to think that goes back to the being because we get so obsessed with the doing and the doing is important and the polarity of hanging out in both of those sort of interconnected poles that, okay, I'm going to do, and I've got the bottom line and it is a swirl, but what can, if I'm just going to be for a minute, what can that bring me? Well, and I'll admit, I'm not good at the being piece. I mean, I'm a, I'm a high Enneagram seven. I just, I want to <laughs> do, I want to be social. I want to, and so the being is, is really, really a difficult, I mean, I have to stop myself and, and, you know, even if I get on the treadmill, I have to say, don't pick up a book. Don't pick up your phone. Just think about what you want for what for for two minutes. Just and don't even think. And it's so difficult. Yeah, <laughs> that's a hard piece. It's hard. Well, you know what? So it's I'm going to say something, and this gets back to one of your very first comments that I loved about people going, "Oh yeah, you know, glass blah, 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 the glass is half full, empty, whatever." Gratitude. Notice that our brains like our bodies and our brains like to be in the way we've been. 
it's not so much that it's hard, but we're asking something different of ourselves. So it's uncomfortable. Notice the discomfort. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Okay. And I, and I offer that for everyone that's listening, because I think that is part of the path to gratitude that when you first practice it, it's going to feel silly and uncomfortable. Oh, okay. it's, it seems hokey. They're like, it seems Oh yeah. Hokey. Go, go Pollyanna. <laughs> <laughs> True. I get it. I get it. Um, but it doesn't discount the fact that we really honor that there are difficult things that are going on in our lives, right? And we find ourselves in challenging moments. We're wearing multiple hats, like you're wearing multiple hats right now. That is challenging. And we don't discount that. But there is the offer in our lives that there's a different approach that does not have to leave us depleted. Wow. Wow. Right. I'm glad we're going to have a transcript of this because um, that's so important. My the first coach that I ever had when I became a realtor here would when I would tell her something that felt difficult, she would just raise her hands in the air and say, "Oh, that's so fascinating. Just <laughs> just sit with it." And it and it became a practice where I would say, "That is so fascinating. I don't have to view it as necessarily bad. True. It's." just happening. It's just, I just have to be aware of it. So mm -hmm. um, I, you, we could talk for hours about this. And I'd really love to come back and talk about uh, the how of happiness, you know, sort of the nuts and bolts of how we give people the power to start moving towards that. But can you just give us you know, I hate to talk in sound bites, but can you just give us a final thought about how, I mean, you went from being in sales and marketing to this place of incredible mindfulness where you're having an impact on thousands of people's lives through your coaching. What would you like to leave the listeners with? Mm, I, I think that's a good question. I think what I would leave people with is it's worth the effort. Trust the process because it's worth the effort. Wow. That is so true. That's so true. Daphne, thank you so much. This is if we've been talking for almost 40 minutes and it feels like we've been talking for about three minutes. It's so mm -hmm. amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. If, if you have any, um, if you would like for people to be able to find you, we're going to we're going to post a link to that when we put this on the website. I'd invite you all to come back. I'd also invite you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We're having so much fun, and I'm learning so much. You're going to find us anywhere that you find your favorite um, podcast. So come back and join us. Daphne, will you come back sometime and talk more with us? Would love to. This has been great. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. It's been Life-Saving Gratitude. Take care. <laughs>